Have you ever felt it? That excitement, that hum that reaches into the very base of your stomach and makes your whole body feel alive? Well, your life can feel like that. Each week, I'll be sharing ways your personal wellness journey can lead you to a life that literally makes you hum. We'll be diving into all things nutrition, mindset, connection, spirituality and relationships to encourage you to be courageous and brave with your life and most importantly, unashamedly you. Together, let's find your hum. Welcome to episode 12 of Find Your Hum. I'm Kirsty, your host and founder of The Nourishing Way. Now, before I get into this week's episode, I have some exciting news. I have literally just noticed. And when I say literally, it is Wednesday, the 29th of July for those that are listening and maybe in the future. And Find Your Hum, this podcast has hit 500 listens. 500. I cannot believe it. I am honestly so, so, so thankful to each and every one of you who have listened to one or all of the episodes I have released. I cannot tell you how much this means to me. I started this podcast because I truly do believe that people do not understand how good they are meant to feel. And if I can help them, you, get back to a place that leaves you totally humming. It leaves me humming. So thank you again for listening. And obviously to help me help more people, please share Find Your Hum, um, share it with your friends, share it on socials or leave a review in your podcast player. And here is onwards to 1000 listens. So today I am going to dive back into sort of that boosting your mood with good food style vibe. I know I did dive into this back in episode two in the gut and your mental health episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, pop back and do so as I do dive a lot deeper into the neurotransmitters that keep us happy and motivated, how your gut health affects them, but I'll also touch on inflammation in that one too. Today, I am going to be touching on gut health, but also with stress and how that can lead to changes in your body composition because it isn't always calories in versus calories out. This was an episode that I originally planned to do, but I did a workshop on it a couple of weeks ago and the feedback was fantastic. So I thought I should share it on here as well. It does combine information across a few of the previous episodes, so I'm kind of consolidating it with this one. I know myself that each time I hear a message, I take something different away from it. So hopefully that is the same with you. And this episode will give you a few more aha moments and will allow you to continue to place together some of those puzzle pieces that might be happening for your health. So today I'm going to be taking you through how gut health not only impacts your mood, but also your body composition, the impacts of stress on your gut health and showing how when combining nutrition, exercise and massage, you're going to be giving your gut the best chance to be healthy through mitigating some of those effects that stress has on our bodies. As I said earlier, many of us have lost understanding of how good we are meant to feel. I truly believe this starts on the inside. Everything out there, and I'm kind of pointing externally to us is that external idea of happiness. We really do glow from the inside out. So I really want to help you understand that the way we eat, the way we move and the way that we deal with stress can make you happy. And most importantly, how to make small and achievable changes in those areas 
to help you feel like that. The way we feel each day really does have a lot to do with the way we eat. This provides us with nutrients to create the energy to run our bodies and what we choose to eat either supports that energy production or depletes it. And honestly, how much harder does life feel when our energy is down? With regards to your mood, the food we eat quite literally can make us happy through providing the nutrients that we need to make our neurotransmitters. It's really hard to feel happy and motivated if you're eating food that is detracting from your energy or that is stopping your body from performing at its best. There really is a lot of truth in the saying, you are what you eat. So first up, let's dive into those neurotransmitters. Now, I really am not going to go too deep into these because I did do that episode back at episode two. So head back there if you would like a little bit more information on these. What you need to know, though, is that neurotransmitters are super important for our mood regulation. But I am going to do a quick recap. So serotonin, this would be the most extensively studied neurotransmitter and probably the one that you're most familiar with. It's also known as our happy hormone. Serotonin is used to help us sleep to regulate our mood and to also regulate our appetites but it also has a major role to play in our perception of pain and I like that word perception of pain. It is thought that up to 90% of the serotonin in our bodies is actually made in our gut hence the importance of our gut health. Such is the effect of food on serotonin it was like literally shown that you can affect the mood of someone by lowering their daily tryptophan levels, which in turn lowers their brain serotonin levels. Now, tryptophan is a key amino acid needed to make serotonin, and I get that might sound all doom and gloom, but the opposite is also true. So if you're deficient in tryptophan, we can literally help make ourselves happier through increasing our intake of this. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that is known as our feel-good hormone. Dopamine plays a role in our movement what we eat, and also supports the reward section of our brains known as our pleasure center. So those feelings of enjoyment and pleasure you experience, that's thanks to a lovely little rush of dopamine. Dopamine also plays a huge role in attraction and falling in love. And let's face it, we all feel a little better when we're feeling loved up. So when we don't have enough dopamine, the feelings of helplessness, lack of motivation, and lack of connection really set in. When dopamine is too low, depression, fatigue, insomnia, and anxiety can be the result. Now, GABA is what I like to call the brakes of our nervous system and our brain. It basically tones down the workings of our nervous system. When we don't have enough GABA, we can experience insomnia or anxious tendencies, have trouble concentrating, or experience muscle pain and headaches. And when you think about it, it totally makes sense. If our nervous system is always on, if our brain has trouble switching off, how can we bring ourselves back to a calm point or settle down enough to sleep or concentrate? Now, the function or health of our gut has a very real impact on these neurotransmitters. As I said, serotonin is actually predominantly produced within the gut. But for that to happen, we need a really healthy, robust and balanced microbiome. We need a nice ratio of something called short-chain fatty acids. These guys basically act like little mad scientists and they put together all the different components that make serotonin. So they basically get in there and they combine the tryptophan with other nutrients like B6, vitamin C and zinc. 
If our gut microbiome is out of balance and we have too many of those not so helpful bacteria in our bodies, this can actually block those short chain fatty acids from doing their thing. And the result is that our bodies produce less serotonin. And if you think of the functions that serotonin helps with, sleep, mood, pain, if we have less serotonin to go around, our mood is not going to be high on that list. Our bodies are designed to help keep us alive. So before they decide to make us happy, our body is going to preference sleep and being pain-free. So this is where serotonin will go. And with the production of serotonin down, this may lead us feeling just a little less happier than usual. There have also been quite a few strains of bacteria that have been shown that basically use dopamine and GABA for their own purposes rather than allowing the body to use them. So this again points to the need to have a healthy, balanced gut microbiome. We really need the ratio to favour those good guys. And the link between the gut and our mood is becoming more and more clearer all the time because we see people who experience anxiety and depression-related conditions also experiencing some level of irritable bowel syndrome. And irritable bowel syndrome is generally a pretty good indicator that your gut is not happy. So we really need to work to keep those ratios between good and bad bacteria in optimal amounts. Now, I may have shared this study back in the gut health and your mood episode, but I'm going to share it again here because it seriously is one of my favorites and does highlight the significance of improving the gut to help with moods and our ability to cope with stressful situations. This shows how easily it is to get results using food as medicine. In this study, there was a group of healthy women that were taken. So they had no gut issues, no mood symptoms. Now, over four weeks, they were either given a fermented milk product, like a yogurt with probiotics added to it. They were given a non-fermented milk product or another group wasn't given any intervention. The women that consumed the fermented milk with the probiotics showed significant differences in the way their brains reacted to an emotional task. Their brains were calmer. Yes, they were calmer when faced with an emotional task. Now, those that didn't have the intervention, they showed more hyperactivity in their brain. I seriously love this study. It really does show how we can change our body through the food that we eat. Now, I just want to go on to how the microbiome can also alter our body composition. And I like to touch on this because so many people who have any kind of goal, whether it's a fitness or movement goal, or maybe it's just wanting to maybe feel a bit better about themselves, will often look to their body composition, but also, you know, potentially restricting the kinds of foods they eat. And I know that one of the biggest factors that affect our mood is our body composition. And generally it's true of females, but I am seeing it more and more with males, especially younger ones. But the thing is, the number on a scale or the way we see ourselves in the mirror can change our moods instantly. But it's not always about calories in versus calories out. There are absolutely so many areas of our body that all contribute to how much weight and particularly the amount of body fat that we are carrying. Our brains, our livers, the amount of fat that we actually already have in our bodies, our muscles, the lining of our intestines, and of course, the gut microbiome, which is what I'll be touching on today. So we have approximately three to four kilograms of bacteria living in our large intestine. And these guys are essential for our health and well-being. 
within that bacteria colony, we have good bacteria and bad bacteria. And of course, we want more of the good guys. As the gut microbiome is incredibly complex, I'm going to keep it super simple here by referring to either bacteroides, which is the good bacteria, or firmicutes, which are our bad bacteria. But we do actually need both of these. They just need to be in the right ratios. Now, a typical Western diet, which is high in refined carbohydrates, sugars, fats, and low in fiber, actually disrupts the balance of good bacteria within the digestive tract. This shift in the microbiome results in changes to the digestive environment, causing fat accumulation and weight gain. This is due to the gut microbes' role in the amount of energy that we extract from our food, how well we metabolize fats, the food we choose, and our immune and hormone functions. Now, our stomach acid can decrease over time, particularly as we age, and this is completely normal, but it does lead to changes in our digestion. As the microbiome is impacted by this, the level of diversity and richness that we have in our microbiome can also change over time. So we need to work to keep our digestive system working well and for us as we age. Our microbiome can also be altered with poor diet and with inflammation in the body. In fact, a great movie to watch on this is one called The Gut Movie by Kale Brock. I know, he's literally a health nut with the name Kale. I don't really think he had any other path to go down with that name, did he? Now, in this movie, Kale travels to a remote part of Africa where he lives with a tribe for five days and eats exactly what and how they do. They take a sample of his poo before he goes and again when he gets back. They also examine the poo of the members of the tribe. And whilst there are many interesting parts of this movie, the one that relates here is the fact that with a change in diet of just five days, the microbiome of his gut changed. It literally changed so it could then extract the nutrients that it needed out of the food that he was eating. And this is a great example of how easily it can be to positively impact our health. But the opposite is also true. So within five days, you could also throw out the ratios of good to bad bacteria that you need. The types of bacteria we have in our gut can actually increase the amount of energy uptake from food, as well as promote storage in fat tissues, contribute to inflammation and influence food intake by disrupting appetite signals. So they can literally stop us from feeling full and increase the signals of hunger. Studies have shown that in those that are overweight, there is actually a decrease in those good bacteroides and an increase in firmicutes. The role of bacteria is to ferment our food. Some of the gas produced helps our cells of our gut's lining release helpful things like we need, like the so short-chain fatty acids that I spoke about before. Also, some of the gases can be irritable to our gut, and this can lead us to feeling bloated and uncomfortable. And this can occur even if you've eaten healthy all day. And this has effects not just in the large intestine. Those gases can affect how permeable the gut is and they can also burden that liver. I've spoken about how gut health can influence our mood and our body composition, but how can we make sure our gut health is strong and robust? Before I dive into this, I just want to touch on some signs of poor gut health. I really don't think people understand how wide-reaching the effect of their gut health can be. Many would just assume it's affecting their gut and giving them symptoms such as bloating, constipation or diarrhea. But it can literally affect every system in your body. 
Some people may not even have traditional gut symptoms, even though they have poor gut health. Poor gut health can literally involve every area of the body. So maybe your poor gut health is manifesting in skin conditions, could be mood disorders, lowered immunity, allergies, asthma, or even something simple like those consistent headaches you may experience, or not being able to recover from training as effectively. So how do we nurture that gut bacteria? These little guys do so much work to keep us healthy and happy, we really should be doing the same back for them. Now this may be a little bit of a repeat for those that have listened to the other gut health episodes I've done, but I honestly don't think we can be reminded enough. So I'm going to make this an overview rather than going in too deep. To help put some of those good guys back into our system, we need to include some good quality yogurt and making sure it has some live bacteria in it. Fermented veggies are amazing, so things such as sauerkraut or kimchi. Kimchi is really yummy. It's a Korean fermented cabbage and it has a really yummy spice to it. Bone broth is amazing for helping increase our good bacteria and also decrease inflammation through our digestive system. The drinks kiffa and kombucha really help support your gut too, but you don't want to go overboard drinking these. Throwing back liters of the stuff will also not be helpful to your gut. Our gut microbiome likes variety. We also need something to feed our good bacteria. So including some great prebiotic foods such as asparagus, garlic, onions, cooked and cooled rice or potato, and my personal favorite, cacao, because you really can never have too much chocolate in your life. Um, And we also need complex carbohydrates such as quinoa, brown rice or grains so our microbes can feed on these and produce those really important metabolites such as our short-chain fatty acids which helps keep the gut environment nice and healthy and happy. As I mentioned earlier those processed foods that we tend to eat as part of a western style diet do throw out the balance of our microbiome. Sugar and preservatives found in processed foods can worsen inflammation so we really do need to cut back on the refined sugar intake. This does feed our not-so-great bacteria. Foods such as biscuits, cakes, many processed sauces, soft drinks, lollies and chocolates. This doesn't include eating fruits though or using honey or pure maple syrup. Fruit, when we've eaten it as a whole piece of fruit, comes with the fibre and all the other nutrients that allow the effects on the body to be different to that of refined sugar or fruit juices. Preference food you can grow, raise or pick over something that's been made in a factory where you can and you really need to avoid that depressive stuff i know i'm going to become even more unpopular but alcohol is a nervous system depressant and caffeine can build you up but knock you back down just as quickly and for some people it really does make anxiety and insomnia worse And caffeine is pretty much like drinking a cup of stress, and I'm about to touch on the effects of that. The microbiome really does not like either alcohol or caffeine. So maybe experiment with moving some of these triggers from your diet for like a week or two and just see what happens and see how you feel. So let's look at the impact of stress on our gut health, our mood, and also our fat composition. I have spoken about our central nervous system before in other episodes, but I am going to recap here. Our central nervous system has two main arms, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic side is also known as our fight or flight. And this is where the effects of adrenaline and cortisol sit. These hormones sit in the sympathetic side. So I'm not going to go too far into them today, 
head back, I think it was the recovery episode that I spoke about those in more detail. But just to recap, adrenaline is the short-term stress hormone. It triggers blood supply to be diverted away from our digestive system and out to our arms and legs. It also signals to our liver and muscles to dump glucose into our bloodstream, which if we don't use, our body converts and stores as fat. Now, this is often triggered by psychological stresses such as running late for work, juggling work and family commitments, the thought of all those emails that you might have waiting for you after a holiday. It's those kind of stresses that can make us have a surge of adrenaline. Cortisol is the long-term stress hormone. Now, it signals to our body that food is scarce and to hold on to any fat stores we have. It also slows down our metabolism so we conserve our energy and continue to keep storing that fat. Cortisol can be raised in our bodies through constantly worrying about finances or relationship or when we are triggered into states where adrenaline is released too often. Now, the parasympathetic side is also known as our rest and digest system. When we are in this state, our body feels safe and it allows it to be working to keep us at our best. As it states, in this side of our nervous system, this is where our body is allowed to properly digest, extract and use the nutrients from our foods. Now the kicker here is we cannot be in both at the same time. So if you are triggered into that flight or fight state, your body cannot be working to keep you well. Unfortunately, in today's world, we are spending more and more time in the heightened fight or flight state. And with so many people I see not even experiencing good sleep, we aren't able to move into the rest and digest state overnight. These stress hormones have a direct impact on the gut microbiome. Like I said, when we are triggered by adrenaline or cortisol to move into the sympathetic flight or fight arm of our nervous system, then we cannot be properly digesting our food. Rises in the stress hormone also increases the pH in our stomachs, which we want to be nice and acidic to help not only break down our food, but to trigger the rest of the digestive enzymes throughout our small intestines to be released, so we are getting all the goodness we should be from our food. If our food does not get digested properly, our bodies can't extract the nutrients from it, our bodies don't have the nutrients to use, and this can lead to other causes of stress within our bodies. It also alters the balance in our microbiome. When food that isn't properly digested ends up in our large intestine, the bacteria ferments this because this is what it's meant to do. So it does sound good, right? However, if food that should be already digested but isn't ends up in our large intestines, that fermenting can actually irritate the walls of our gut increasing internal stresses, but also altering our microbiome. So what has this got to do with mood and your body composition? Well, we now know that the microbiome plays a huge role in how we feel and how much energy we extract from our food, the types of food we crave, and the amount of fat that we store. We also know that the body needs key nutrients like B6 to make our happy and feel good hormones. It also basically just needs nutrients to keep it running. So if we don't manage this stress, then the impact on our body composition will be greatly affected and no amount of dieting or exercise will allow you to achieve your goals. I'm going to touch a little bit on exercise now and I'm sure I really don't need to go into detail regarding how exercise can help your body composition, but I would like to explain how exercise can be really helpful in keeping our gut health 
balanced and diverse. Regular exercise training has an overall anti-inflammatory influence on the body and this allows us to stay out of that sympathetic state. Now, low-intensity exercise can actually reduce the transit time from our stomach to our bottoms, meaning that our food is not hanging around or fermenting too long, causing those undesirable gases and irritating the walls of our large intestines. So the time that food enters our mouth to the time it leaves our bottoms should be around 24 hours. If this is longer, it can point to an area that may need some attention. So getting in some low-intensity exercise is perfect to help this. Actually, just as a side note, so is serotonin. It actually helps the motility of our gut continue to push our food down. So serotonin is really helpful here with making sure that our transit time is around that 24 hours. On the flip side, endurance exercise can actually reduce blood flow to the gut by as much as 80%. It can also increase cases of intestinal permeability, compromising the gut barrier. And this can result in the bacteria from our colon ending up in other areas of our body. Now, don't freak out if you do endurance exercise. The effects can absolutely be mitigated with the right nutrition and recovering protocols. Now, I did speak about the importance of recovery in a previous episode, so please head back there for some helpful tips. The same effect can be seen when we are restricting food and over-exercising. This signals that cortisol response of food being scarce, so it changes the bacteria in our microbiome, reducing the beneficial bacteria and increasing the bacteria that extracts more energy, and in this case, calories from our food. Remember, our bodies are always trying to work to keep us alive. If they think that food is scarce, it is literally going to change so it can make sure that you get every available energy calorie as possible to keep you alive. This is why I have often put back food into people's diets and combined this with stress reduction and gut healing and literally seen their energy come back and them enjoying life again. Sure, they've also seen changes in their body composition, but it really is about that energy and enjoying life piece for me. Now, whilst I don't want this all to be about body composition, the studies that have been done in relation to the gut and exercise do tend to focus around this. And the results certainly apply to also just keeping your gut healthy, balanced and robust. Now, exercise can prevent that shift in balance of a decrease in bacteroides and an increase in firmicutes that is seen in those that are overweight. And this can happen even without a change in diet. Cardio exercise, that is any exercise that increases the heart rate, can increase gut diversity. Again, this increasing heart rate is not about smashing yourself. It's about those high-intensity interval training kind of workouts or those low-intensity cardio workouts. It also helps our gut make butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid, and this is really protective in the colon and also helps make that all-important serotonin. But when we put what we eat with the way we move together, we can see an even greater benefit, not just to the microbiome, but also decreasing inflammation. Now, this is especially important as we age and also improving that all important sleep. Remember, when we are in that parasympathetic state, so hopefully when we are sleeping, we can rest, digest and repair. And this really allows our body to keep working optimally. And just for a little reverse benefit, lactobacillus strains of bacteria have been shown to increase exercise performance and decrease physical fatigue. So having those good guys in your gut can also give you some benefit back as well. 
And it's not just about structured periods of exercise either. We need continuous daily movement. We were never meant to sit at desks in front of computers all day or behind the wheels of cars or in front of the TV for days. In fact, sitting is now being touted as the new smoking. That's how negative the impact of sitting for too long can be on our health. I'm sure you've had times when you've been inactive for a long period of time and how almost a little dazed you feel when you move again. I know this certainly happens with me. Or how you can lose a little bit of motivation to do anything after you might have spent a day doing a Netflix binge. Now, I'm not knocking a Netflix binge. We definitely need times when we do nothing. This really does help our body out. But we aren't meant to be doing this day after day. And while sitting at your desk or commuting may not really feel like doing nothing, the fact is the body isn't moving, your blood isn't flowing as well as it does when you move. So make sure you are taking breaks when you can during the day. Moving just three to five minutes every hour is enough to get that blood moving, get your muscles working and get your stress down. And speaking of stress... Now, the training facility I'm currently working at has a massage therapist as part of its offering. It's just another reason why I love working with them because it is not just about smashing yourself with the training. They really do focus on getting long-lasting results and know that this is about balancing the way you eat, the way you move, and how you nurture yourself. Now, I know there are a lot of ways we can reduce stress. And in that recovery episode I spoke about before, I did speak about how breathing can reduce stress. Actually, go back and listen to that because right at the end, I do a lovely breathing exercise with you guys. And this breathing is an instant way to switch our bodies from our sympathetic flight or fight side of our nervous system across to that parasympathetic rest and digest side. And not just any breathing, but you really need to do those deep belly breaths that go past your heart and down into the bottom of your tummy. Now, if you place a hand just under your belly button, you basically want your breath to reach down to your hand. So no holding in your tummies here. You want to see that hand raise. You want to puff that belly out. And then when you exhale, just make sure that it's a little longer than your inhale. Trust me, your body will thank you for it. Now, back to massage. Massage allows the release of stress on our body. And this has a very direct impact on our gut health. Now, chronic pain or other physical conditions can be emotionally overwhelming. And this emotional stress from chronic pain can trigger us into that fight or flight side of our nervous system. And we know that now alters the function of our gut. Pain in your body is telling you something needs to be done. Please listen to it and go and get help. Massage can not only relieve your physical ailments, it also stimulates the production of feel-good hormones. Just like those feelings of stress can alter the microbiome, positive emotions can trigger chemical and hormone productions that are beneficial to our gut microbiome. And honestly, who doesn't leave a massage feeling like they are floating? Massage helps our nervous system switch off that fight or fight response. Now, no one lives a stress-free life, but the calming feel-good effect that you feel when you get a massage does result in lower levels of cortisol, that stress hormone. A lot of the stress that is generated today is from being in our heads. It's from stressing about our finances, our relationships, our jobs, our families, and basically just life in general. And when we are in those stressed out states, we are all up in our heads, all up in our minds. 
Massage really does bring us back into our bodies. We focus on the area that is being massaged. The simplicity of being touched brings awareness back to our bodies and out of our heads. And if you're like me, when I get a massage, I really like the therapist to get in there and get those knots released and get all those tight areas freed up. So I am definitely focused on those spots because that release does come with a little discomfort and that cannot be ignored. And at a very direct level, massage assists with digestive disorders. It literally relaxes sphincter muscles within the digestive tract. Now, sphincter muscles are basically the little muscles that close off each section of our digestive system. So we've got one at the top and bottom of our stomachs. We've got one at the top and bottom of our small intestines. So these actually provide these to relax and close. Now, this increases intestinal activity. It also provides relief from constipation, gas, indigestion, and reflux. Now, you can actually give yourself a little belly massage, and this will help your digestion, and you can also use it to promote that dropping into your body benefit by focusing on the connection to your belly with your hand and any of the sensations that you notice. Massaging should only be done if you are not pregnant or you don't have any underlying gut conditions that can be flared by this. So please make sure before you do this that it is safe for you to do so. So you start by lying down and you want to place your hand on your lower right hand side of your tummy just inside your hip bone. Now in small circular motions, make your way up towards your rib cage. And when you get just below your rib cage, head across the top of your belly until you are under the left side of your rib cage. And then make your way down the left side of your belly till you get to that spot just inside your left hip. Now you can adjust the pressure as to what feels good. And using some lovely oils or cream is also advisable as it helps your hand glide over your skin. I know peppermint oil can be used to calm the digestive system and lavender is just are beautiful to calm the nervous system in general so you might want to try those. I personally just use my rose scented moisturizing cream and because rose is the scent of love I just focus on some love for my body and my tummy was I'm doing this. And you probably want to do this for about five minutes. Don't do it too close after eating you want to leave it an hour or so. And I find that I like doing it best as I'm settling down into bed because it gives that nice little rest and digest to kick along so try that out at home and let me know what you think when we feel happy and good about life and ourselves we make better decisions this includes the food we eat the exercise we do or don't do and the way we spend our spare time all of this has a very real impact on your body composition if you have more of those happy hormones, a better ratio of good to bad gut bacteria, and you are able to provide your body with the nutrients it needs, you'll be able to hit your goals and you will feel like you are humming from the inside out. Cheers for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Hum. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, and tell your mates about it.